feel kind of like God. <laughs> and then this man with the devil on his hand came and took the hat. Free Britney. Free Britney. start the show <laughs> started thought I'd start the show with a dab this time you know I would start talking <coughs> oh fuck <coughs> <coughs> and then do dabs but you know I was like fuck it let's dab and then talk let me just uh, adjust everything here all right here we go here we go all right. Why, hello, and welcome to Dab to Death. I'm your host, Nick Nobody Savage. I hope you all had a great week and enjoyed last week's episode, Cuckoo for Conspiracy Theories, What's Hiding in Hollywood. But before we get into this week's episode, let's talk about what we're smoking. And once again, I've got that paper planes because I, you know, didn't get a chance to, uh, Get to a dispensary. Sorry about that. True, I could have gotten delivery, but I feel like they just charge so much for that. It's just, it's not worth it. You know, dispensary is a little bit cheaper just because you're not paying the delivery fee and you don't have to tip the driver and all that shit, you know. Get it. Delivery's convenient. Whatever. But personally, I'd rather save the money. But then again, I really don't have to pay for product anymore. So... There's that. So yeah, so I've got the paper planes. Uh, still got the Hollyweed and the Compton's Creek. Uh, and then I've got a little bit of the Strawberry Culotta Live Resin batter. Forgot about that last week. Didn't mention that one. And to change it up just a little bit, I actually have some flour this time. I have some exotic mixed light flour from Preferred Gardens. Uh, the strain is Znacks, you know, with Zs because... Wouldn't want kids to think that they're snacks. It's kind of like how with Skittles, we're just like, oh, let's just change it to Skittles, and it's fine. Yeah, nobody will know. Or Runts. Runts. Yeah, okay. Super not obvious. Super discreet. Anyway, but yeah, so I've got some uh, exotic mixed light cannabis from Preferred Gardens. Ooh. Oh, is anybody else watching Ozark? So I just started season four. I'm uh, I'm on episode two, so I'm like super just getting into it. But I fucking love this show. And, you know, honestly, like uh, I, I, when I was younger, I, I had I didn't have the attention span for shows like that. You know, there was like 
the real slow burn where it's like, you know, some of the episodes are a little slower than others. Some are more drawn out. And there's those long, awkward silences. Breaking Bad being like the number one show that is like known for that. Breaking Bad, it's like half the episodes, they're just eating fucking breakfast. This family ate more breakfast than any other family I've ever seen in the face of cinema. Like, seriously. Anyway, a little off topic. But yeah, so I just started season four of Ozark, and it's really good so far. So, yeah, so doing that. Oh, there is a word out that there is an active serial killer here in California, Northern California to be specific. Uh, apparently there's a serial killer who is working his way down Southern or down California to Southern California. We're assuming, um, maybe even to Mexico. Cause like, if I'm trying to murder a bunch of people and then get away with it, I'm getting the fuck out the country, you know? Alrighty. So I did a dab, but, uh, I think I'm going to pack a bowl of this preferred gardens just so I can test it out a little bit. I've got one of my favorite pieces I'm smoking out of today. It's uh, it's a pipe, but it looks like uh, an old VW van, like an old Volkswagen van. Uh, and then like the carb cap is in the front. You put your where the VW symbol would be and you smoke out of the exhaust pipe, basically. And then the bowl is on top. So it's it's really dope. It's see through glass. Uh, it's actually from Canabox, which I know I've haven't done a plug for Cannabox in a while, but if you are interested in joining Cannabox, you can get 10% off of your first purchase by using the link in the episode description. Um, basically, Cannabox is a monthly cannabis subscription service that sends you a glass piece every month, a different theme uh, for the box, you know, so everything will be a part of that theme. But they send you a different glass piece, rolling papers, blunt wraps, uh, rolling trays, grinders, um, pretty much all of your your smoking needs. Um, you hemp wick, all kinds of cool little lighters and stuff, and you just get a lot of really cool things that you might you might not otherwise use to smoke, and it kind of like helps you broaden your horizons. Um, so yeah, check it out if you really if you really like smoking out of cool looking things. Um, I have one that looks like the Empire State Building. That was pretty cool. Uh, there was a Bob Ross pipe. I ended up giving that one to my sister and her husband. You know, so like Cannabox is great because then it also does make good gifts. You know, if you want to gift something out to somebody. So, Cannabox, check it out. Episode description. There will be a link you can use for ten percent off your first box. So yeah, I'm going to pack some of this preferred gardens in my Cannabox VW van pipe. Oh, goddamn childproof bags. I feel like a kid would be able to get into this e easier than I can. Jesus fucking Christ, what did they make this out of? Kevlar? Ha. Ha ha. Oh, yes. All right, preferred gardens. All right, so what I'm looking at here is a beautiful nug. Uh, nice, dense structure. Not too dense, though. I don't like it when weed's, like, super, like, rock-solid, dense nugs. Like, that shit's hard to break up. I like it when it's got a little stickiness to it, a little give, but just a little bit, you know? 
Yeah, that is nice. And then it's got some good uh, some good crystals on there. Couple little hairs, little orange hairs. Alright, I like it. Smells good, looks good. I'm about it. Let's smoke it. I guess now would be a good time to plug uh, the fact that if you would like to put in your name to possibly be the new co-host of Dab to Death here with me, Nick Nobody Savage at Dab and Stab Studios, then uh, drop a line to ghosthost at dabtodeath.com and uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live. Like I said, preferably it would help if you were close enough to Sacramento to come record on site. I'm still new to this and haven't quite figured out remote recording. I should probably do that. So yeah, like I said, if you would be interested in being the co-host here at Dab to Death, please just let me know. And uh, I'll hit you back up and we'll see what we can work out. Also, it was uh, suggested after last week's episode that uh, I lighten up on the sound pad a little bit. Might have been relying a little too heavily on that, given the fact that uh, it was my first episode flying solo. So I'm going to try and do it a little more, a little more professionally this time. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Except for that one. I had to do at least one. All right. So now I'm going to try this weed. Oh. <coughs> oh shit. Oh fuck. Yeah, you can tell I don't really smell flower anymore. Ooh. That shit got me. Of course, this thing's also just basically a giant steamroller. So I just got like a fat shotgun of smoke as soon as I, I cleared the carb. Ooh. Sheesh. for a minute Ooh. oh god all right so as i mentioned last week this week's episode is a litany of hate the columbine high school massacre the investigation into the high school massacre is slow moving and dangerous the two gunmen who went on the rampage booby-trapped the building and even themselves the bodies have not yet been removed. A total of 15 people are believed to have died here, 12 students, one faculty member, and the two young killers. Investigators say this attack appears to have been carefully planned for a long time. Witnesses say they laughed as they fired their weapons, executing their classmates who begged for their lives. We must all do more to recognize and look for the early warning signals that deeply troubled young people send often before they explode into violence. Columbine High Schools. Columbine High in Littleton, Colorado. Columbine High. That's right. 
It was a day like any other at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, when 18-year-old Eric Harris and 17-year-old Dylan Klebold entered the campus clad in trench coats and armed to the teeth on April 20th, 1999. It was 11.19 in the morning when the shooting began, and by 12.08 p.m., Harris and Klebold had killed themselves, along with 13 others, 12 students, and one teacher. There were also 21 people who had been injured. <clears throat> At the time, it was the deadliest school shooting in the history of the United States, and it went on to inspire many copycat shootings, several of which have been even deadlier. This tragedy also sparked massive debates on gun control and school safety. So yeah, Columbine was definitely probably one of the most uh, influential uh, moments as far as like uh, as a young kid when you see this uh, going on at a school you know you're you're, you're kind of terrified you know and then especially living in not such good neighborhoods which I you know have lived in before and gone to schools that not so great of schools you know uh, I'm looking at you Fairfield um you know, school shooters were definitely a possibility there. Uh, in fact, I remember having to lock down them having to lock down the campus one time because there was a uh, report of a student with a gun. So, uh, you know, there's that. So now let's take a look at the two gunmen themselves. We're going to talk first. We're going to talk about Eric Reb Harris. Eric David Harris was born on April 9, 1981, in Wichita, Kansas, despite the fact that both of his parents were born and raised in Colorado. His father, Wayne Harris, was in the United States Air Force, and his mother, Catherine Ann Poole, was a homemaker. Since his father was in the Air Force, the Harris family moved around the country randomly based on where he ended up being stationed. They moved from Wichita to Dayton, Ohio, followed by Oscada, Michigan, or Oskada, I don't know, Plattsburgh, New York, and finally settling back in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, according to one of Eric's writing assignments in 1997, it was this move that was the hardest for him, as he had the most happy memories and friends there, uh, being Plattsburgh, New York, obviously. Which I can relate, because like I moved around a lot as a kid, too. Um, my mom wasn't in the military or anything, but she was a single parent, so she had to change jobs. You know, she was trying to work her way up the ladder, so to speak. And so, you know, as a result, we had to move around a little bit. And I'm pretty sure I went to, you know, a different elementary school almost every year, I think. I'm pretty sure I went to three different middle schools, uh, including one year where I was like homeschool slash charter schooled. Uh, that was an interesting experience. Um, and then High school, I'm pretty sure I went to three different high schools as well. So yeah, moved around a lot. I can definitely relate. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about Dylan Vodka Klebold. Yeah, like I said, Reb and Vodka. That was their nicknames. Dylan Bennett Klebold was born on September 11th, 1981. Unfortunate birthday. In Lakewood, Colorado. His father, Thomas Klebold, was a sculptor turned engineer, and his mother, Sue, worked with disabled children. Dylan was a bright child and was even in a program for gifted students in elementary school. Hey, me too. Though he struggled socially. Hey, me too. But guess what I didn't do? 
shoot up a school. Hmm. Anyway, so he found the transition to middle school especially difficult, but his parents thought it was simply normal adolescent behavior. Despite struggling socially, during his early school years, Dylan actually participated in, in Cub Scouts with his friend, Brooks Brown, and played baseball, soccer, and t-ball. So, struggled socially, but seemed to do all the normal, like, kid things. You know, I, I didn't even play sports. I fucking hate playing sports. I am not an active person. I mean, I do a show about smoking weed and talking about true crime, so... It's like sitting down, you know, I really don't have to do anything active. Anyway... Dylan and Eric met in the seventh grade while attending Ken Carroll Middle School, and the two quickly became close friends. They bonded over their love for computers and over the fact that they were both considered social outcasts at school. Which, I mean, that's kind of what happens, you know, you fucking deny everybody access to these social circles, where else do they have to go? The other outcasts. You know, like... I was a member of uh, what we called ourselves the rocker table at Fairfield. You know, it was like literally all the people that didn't fit into all your other stupid fucking preps, jocks, nerds, you know, stupid stereotypes. Which I guess that just makes us another stupid stereotype. Huh. So Dylan was described as being incredibly shy and he would even get fidgety and uncomfortable if someone new tried to talk to him can definitely relate again. I'm just saying, you know, like I said, a lot of similarities here, but I didn't choose to do what they did. You know, like it all comes down to like choice. There's, and I also, I think there's just some people that are fucked up in the head. That's also true too. In the year leading up to the shooting, many people close to him noticed a drastic change in his behavior. The once quiet and mild-mannered child was now short-tempered and would have sudden outbursts of anger, which can be seen in some of the videos the two made together. Oh my god, I should have found some audio from those videos. That's what I should have done. So, many close to him believed that this was because of his friendship with Eric. Like I said, Eric was a little bit of a troublemaker. Although, Eric, on the other hand, had been described by some as charismatic, nice, and likable. Most psychopaths are. According to Harris's journals, however, both Harris and Klebold kept journals, Eric would brag about how he was able to deceive people and make them believe whatever he wanted them to believe. A sign of a budding psychopath. Um, because he was manipulative, deceitful, and everybody loved him. Because he was super charismatic. So by his junior year, Eric was also quick to anger and even went so far as threatening people with bombs. This kid loved him his bombs. Like he was obsessed with pipe bombs and propane tank bombs, as we'll get to later. Many of his classmates recounted how Eric was fascinated, almost obsessed with war, and how he would write out violent fantasies about killing people. In fact... His journals were full of psychotic rants and countless drawings depicting death or acts of violence. Eric also leaned towards an unhealthy interest in Hitler and other violent ideologies. Yeah, now his notebooks were basically full of like drawings of swastikas and like murders and like guns and 
this kid was nuts. Like I said, some people are just fucked up in the head. He was obviously just fucked up in the head. So I'm going to take a brief break. And then when I return, I'm going to do a dab and we will continue the story of the Columbine High School Massacre. So uh, I forgot, I actually do have some other flower today, too. Um, This was gifted to me by a friend of ours. Uh, This is from Lit Cannabis, Lost in Translation. Um, And the strain is Cherry Cheesecake. Wow, 26.67% THC. That is not bad. Total cannabinoids, 31.5%. That is some pretty good weed. I, uh... Unfortunately, I already have the bowl packed, or else I would pack some. So maybe, maybe next week we'll we'll feature that one, and I'll let you know what I think of that. Um, as far as the preferred gardens weed, very tasty, very good. Speaking of the preferred gardens weed, I'm gonna smoke some more of that. And just because weed doesn't quite do it for me, I'm gonna do a dab. I think I'm gonna do my personal favorite thing to do and mix some strains. I'm gonna do a little bit of the Hollyweed and a little bit of the Compton's Creek. Because that's a good good combination, in my opinion. And, I mean, I find it kind of fitting, honestly. Because Hollywood, Compton, they're, like, pretty damn close to each other geographically. Uh, I call it Holly's Creek. No. Compton weed. I really like that combination. <coughs> <coughs> oh, shit. <coughs> All right, let's get back to it. While Eric was clearly the more dominant and psychotic personality, some, like Judy Brown, believed that he was more emotionally dependent on Dylan as Dylan was more liked by the general student body. However, in his journals, Dylan talked about how he felt completely alone and loved by no one. Because of this, many believed that he sought the validation and acceptance of Eric. To me, it just sounds like a toxic-ass relationship for both of them. They fed off of each other, you know? Like, it was like this negative energy feeding into this negative energy, and it was just like this big cloud of brewing shit until eventually it all went fucked. Anyway, by their junior year of high school, they were basically inseparable. And there was even a rumor going around the school that the two were a couple because of how much time they spent together. Despite these rumors, a friend of theirs named Chad Laughlin went on record saying that the two died virgins. That's unfortunate. And now we're going to talk about how there were like so many red flags and just nobody did a thing about them. And this even kind of continues today with like school shootings because... Unfortunately, school shootings are still very much a common occurrence. You know, um, we just recently had the Oxford school shooting. Um, so that was what actually had inspired this episode. And so, you know, that kid, there was a lot of warning signs. And the school even had a meeting with his parents the day of and told them, like, hey, you know, your kid's got some really concerning behaviors. Like, we're not sure, like, what's going on here, but, like, it's not good. And the parents were like, nah, it's fine. He's fine. And they all let him go back to school. And then he shot up the school. So it's like, have we learned nothing? 
Like, seriously? Anyway, perhaps one of the first warning signs that the boys were headed towards the dark end that we all know was when Eric started a webpage slash blog where they basically spouted hateful rhetoric, especially about people in their neighborhoods. They also began to post videos of their first test runs of pipe bombs. The site was taken down by AOL. We all remember AOL, right? You've got mail. Um, yeah, so back in the, the dial-up days, I hated that fucking sound. Kids these days will never know the trauma of trying to get online and having to listen to like 45 seconds of grinding fucking electronic gear noises. It was like robots fucking in your eardrums. Anyway. Maybe I should, like, insert a sound clip of a fucking dial-up modem right there, just so they can fucking know. Um, but yeah, so the site was taken by, down by AOL after the shooting and preserved for the FBI. On January 30th, 1998... The two were arrested for breaking into a locked van and stealing some computers and other electronic equipment. They both left incredibly good impressions on the juvie officers and basically charmed their way out early. Eric went on to write an apology letter to the owner of the van where he expressed his regret for his actions. However, in his journals, he wrote, quote, Isn't America supposed to be the land of the free? How come, if I'm free, I can't deprive some fucking dumb shit from his possessions if he leaves them sitting in the front seat of his fucking van in plain sight in the middle of fucking nowhere on a fry fucking day night? Natural selection. Fucker should be qu- shot. End quote. Okay, I'm sorry. I love fuck and using the word fuck in multiple contexts and situations. Even in the middle of a word sometimes. But fi- fry fucking day? That's a little too far, kid. Sorry, that's too fucking much. Thank you. So, one of the parts of Eric Harris's website was a blog titled, You Know What I Hate? Kind of reminds me of Family Guy with Peter Griffin. You know what really grinds my gears? Uh, so, yeah, it's basically where him and Dylan would simply list things that made them angry, and the posts range from dumb complaints to open death threats. Quote, People who use the same word over and over again, like actually, or fuck you, or bitch. Can we go back to the last slide where he literally said fuck like 30 times in one sentence? So yeah, this is something that he hates apparently, even though he does it. So he's a fucking hypocrite. So, quote, people who use the same word over and over again, like actually, or fuck you, or bitch. Read a fucking book or two. Increase your vocabulary, you fucking idiots. Again, said fuck like three times there. So, read a fucking book. <clears throat> oh, wait, you can't. You're dead. Uh, oh, another thing he hates. Quote, Star Wars fans, get a freaking life, you boring dickheads. I am offended. I love Star Wars. Uh, I think I have a life. I'd like to think I have a life. I don't know how much of a life, but I have at least somewhat of a life. Feeling called out by this kid now. Oh, here's one. When there's a group of assholes standing in the middle of a walkway, get the fuck out of the way or I'll bring a friggin' sawed-off shotgun to your house and blow your snotty ass head off. 
Like, Jesus, kid. I don't like it when people are, like, blocking the walkway or, like, you know, just standing in the middle of an aisle at the grocery store, oblivious to everybody around them. And, you know, I hate that shit, too, but I'm not going to threaten to blow their head off. Like, Jesus, calm the fuck down. You know what I hate? Entitled-ass little white kids that think that their fucking lives are so hard, and so they go and shoot up their school. Yeah. Yeah. Calling you out, kid. Speaking of sawed-off shotguns, let's look at how two teenage boys, both under the age of 18 prior to the shooting, were able to obtain the firepower, firepower necessary to commit the onslaught that was to come. Dylan Klebold asked Robin Anderson, an 18-year-old Columbine student and mutual friend of the two, to make a straw purchase of two shotguns. Now, a straw purchase? In case you were wondering, I linked it so I wouldn't forget. Basically, a straw purchase, or nominee purchase, is any purchase wherein somebody agrees to acquire a good or service for someone who is often unable or unwilling to purchase the good or service themselves and the agent then transfers the goods or services to that person after purchasing them. So basically, somebody goes and buys it for you, and just brings it to you. It's kind of like DoorDash before DoorDash, and for guns, apparently. Back to the shotguns. The two shotguns were a Savage 311 d 12-gauge double barrel, and a Savage Springfield 12-gauge pump shotgun. And then as well as a high-point carbine, So basically, they had her buy three guns for them right there. And so both Dylan and Eric sawed off the barrels of their shotguns to 23 and 20 inches, respectively. The two also had a Tech DC-9 semi-automatic handgun, as well as several homemade pipe bombs, which we mentioned he loves his bombs, two backpack bombs made from propane tanks, and a few bombs with timers that were meant to detonate around the town to distract emergency responders. This brings us to April 20th, 1999, a very unhappy 420. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold woke up early on the morning of April 20th. They each had their list of tasks to accomplish before they headed to Columbine High School. It was just weeks before they were supposed to be graduating, but their minds were elsewhere. Their minds were on their mission. Uh, They had even gone into the school the day before and shot a video of them walking around in the clothing that they would wear the next day during the shooting. The trench coats and the boots and they were all geared up and basically, you know, shooting this this film, which they were actually members of the AV department. And so, like, that's why a lot of people just were used to them being weird and shooting videos and doing these things. And so... That actually does play into the day of the shooting at one point. It was around lunchtime when Brooks Brown saw Eric Harris arrive on campus. The two had had a falling out previously when Eric had thrown a chunk of ice at Brooks's windshield, but they had recently mended the friendship shortly before the shooting. Brooks gave Eric shit for skipping his morning classes, but Eric simply replied with, It doesn't matter anymore. Red flag. He then looked at him and said, Brooks, I like you now. Get out of here. Go home. Red fucking flag, kid. So Brooks left. Which, I'm sorry, but Brooks should have probably warned somebody. Because that's not a good sign. Meanwhile, Dylan Klebold had arrived separately at the campus. 
the two planted gym bags containing the 20-pound propane bombs in the cafeteria and went outside to wait. The plan was for the bombs to detonate in the middle of lunch when there would be maximum casualties, and then the two shooters would open fire on students as they tried to escape. Fortunately for the students inside, the bombs failed to detonate. One would eventually partially detonate, but caused minimal damage. So, at 11.19 a.m., they entered the school, and the shooting began. They stalked their way through the school, firing on anyone unfortunate enough to cross their paths. They moved through the cafeteria and to the library, where most of the carnage happened. Um, and actually, the, the teacher that was shot... Well, there was a teacher that was shot, and uh, I believe she was the one that made the 911 call. And... I downloaded the 911 call, but I forgot to put it on the sound pad. I'll edit it in. Jefferson County 911. Yes, I am a teacher at Columbine High School. There is a student here with a gun. He has shot out a window. I believe one student. Um, um, I don't know what's in my shoulder. If it was just the last thing you do, but... Okay, has anybody been injured, ma'am? Yes. Okay. And the school is in a panic, and I'm in the library. I've got students down under the table, kids. Heads under the table. Uh, yeah, so they made their way into the library where most of the carnage happened. After the slaughter in the library, the two returned to the cafeteria where they threw a couple pipe bombs and attempted to detonate the propane tank bombs by shooting at them. Experts stated after the shooting that if those bombs had successfully detonated, they would have done extensive damage to the building and caused massive casualties, especially if it had gone off in the middle of lunch when, like, they had anticipated it to go off. There were a lot of students in there, and it could have ended very, very badly. Like, the whole thing ended very, very badly, but, like, it could have been, like, ten times more badly. I don't know if that's a correct calculation. By 12.06 p.m., less than an hour after it started, the shooting from within the school had ceased. Police were slow to enter the campus, even waiting about two hours after Dylan and Eric were dead to go in. This was also due to the fact that the bomb, the school had been, like, heavily booby-trapped with bombs. Like, there was pipe bombs and propane tank bombs, and, like, there was bombs all over this fucking campus. And, like I said, there was even ones that they had planted in the town to distract the emergency responders, one of which I think actually went off, and but the fire department was able to like put it out pretty quickly. Nothing really happened there. Um, so yeah, so the cops didn't go in for like two hours after you know all the shooting stopped, and by that point, Dylan and Eric were already dead. At twelve oh eight, Eric Reb Harris and Dylan Vodka Klebold had turned their guns on themselves and committed suicide. Which, I'm sorry, but, like, I don't, I do not endorse nor condone, like, I do not endorse, like, suicide at all. I'm not, like, ever saying that that's, like, a, an option, like, or, or, like, you know, that's the way out. Like, that's not the solution. It really isn't. But if you're going to kill yourself, just kill, like, don't kill your entire fucking class with you. Like, don't take out people with you like that. Like, that's just fucked up. Like, you, you did so much damage, and then just, you don't even, you don't even pay the price for it. You went out like little bitches. 
Like, so then just go out like little bitches instead of taking out everybody with you. Sorry. Might have to cut that. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about with this episode was, you know, like I had mentioned, there are a lot of other school shootings that have happened since the Columbine, uh, you know, shooting, obviously. This, like I said, Columbine was kind of like the the first really big one. This was the one that like snapped out, like startled people out of out of their comfort zones. Like it's it's what really made people start to question, you know, like school safety, gun safety, like all of this shit, and like in in a in a public massive scale, you know, and like I don't know what it is about America, but it's a really bad problem here. Like, I don't think it's this big of an issue in other countries, but, like, United States just loves to fucking kill each other. The number one school shooting still to date, I believe, is the Virginia Tech shooting, which happened on April 16th, 2007, in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, the death toll was 33, including the shooter himself. Uh, I am not going to pronounce or attempt to pronounce that name because I don't want to offend anybody. But uh, the Virginia Tech shooter, obviously, we, we've pretty much all heard that one. Yeah, and then there was the Newtown, Connecticut shooting on December 14th, 2012. 28 dead, 2 injured. Austin, Texas, the uh, Texas Tower shooting. We did an episode on that. 18 dead, 31 injured. Uh, February 14th, 2018, Parkland, Florida. 17 dead, 17 injured. April 20th, 1999, Columbine, Colorado, 15 dead, 21 injured. I'm just going down the list at this point. May 18th, 2018, Santa Fe, Texas, 10 dead, 14 injured. October 1st, 2015, Roseburg, Oregon, 10 dead, 9 injured. This is ridiculous, people. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, United States just loves them a school shooting. You know, Eric and Her- Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold loved them some pipe bombs. The United States loves them some school shootings. I mean, we don't love it. It sucks when it happens, but apparently it just continues to happen because I don't know why we can't seem to get proper mental health care system in place that can, you know, prevent these kinds of things. And um, um, so, yeah, unfortunately, school shootings are a massive, massive problem here in the United States, and they continue to be, and they probably will continue to be until something is actually done about it, and there's a serious conversation had. It's unfortunate, and like I said, I, I kind of wish that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold had chosen a different route, let's just say. Anyway... Alright, well, I mean, I guess that's pretty much it for that episode. So, this has been the Dab to Death look at the Columbine High School Massacre. I think next week I will be doing... You know what? Fuck it. Next week I'm doing Charles Manson Part 1, Helter Skelter and Homicide. In traditional dab to death fashion, I'm going to do what I did with Richard Ramirez. And the first part, I'm going to talk about the night of the actual murders or the nights of the murders, I should say. And then in part two, we will look at Charles Manson, who he was, who the family was, and give a little bit more of the history of the Manson family. So fuck it. Next week, we are doing Manson, one of my other personal favorites. That makes me sound like a terrible person, but 
Uh, I've just really been looking forward to doing Manson for a while. Uh, you know, it's 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 definitely one of the more known stories here in the United States and especially in California. You know, everybody in California really knows Charles Manson, basically. So and then I think at um, actually what I'm going to do is I might try and put out a mini episode sometime this week as a an apology for not publishing episodes as recently lately. Um, and I mean, it's going to be on this story I found called, uh, it was basically about the Danbury Trashers, which is this like minor league hockey team that was like one of the most gangster fucking things on the face of the planet. No, it was, it was just, uh, the guy had a lot of mob connections and like they were using like mob money for shit and it, it was dope. It was a really fun story. I'm interested to talk about it again, but I don't think it's enough to be a full-length episode. So I'm going to try and publish a little mini-episode for you guys this week. So yeah, next week, stay tuned for Charles Manson. Thank you for listening to Dab to Death. This has been your host, Nick Nobody Savage. You can leave any feedback about the episode or about topics you would like me to talk about at feedback at dabtodeath.com. Or you can just hit me up on any of the social medias at dab to death. Unless you're on Instagram, then it's at dab to death podcast. Be sure to tune in every week at www.dabtodeath.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts except for iTunes and Pandora. Still working on that. Sorry. Have a good week. Don't shoot up any fucking schools. And. Be careful out there. You never know when you might get dabbed to death.